Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education and today we'll be in conversation with Grace Wilson, Editorial Director of Teach Middle East Magazine. EDX Education first met Grace six years ago when we discussed the opportunities of a mass conference being held in the UAE. Grace had been working in education for the past 22 years as a teacher, head of department, school advisor, school leader. Grace has worked in the UK and the UAE. She also enjoys sharing her passion for education through speaking, writing and editing. Grace, welcome. Can you tell our listeners today about Teach Middle East magazine and your role? I must say we always enjoyed reading the magazine when I was working in the Middle East and found it informative and engaging for the Middle East landscape. Thank you. So Teach Middle East magazine um, started in late 2013 Um, And it started out of a need for information and a common space for educators to share good practice. And so we got together as a group, well, a group of friends, really. And we started as an online platform, which uh, grew into a printed magazine, which now has gone back online, um, (laughs) online and printed. So we've got both. But obviously, with the current situation, we're distributing online predominantly. And and what it is, it's a space for educators who want to share in writing what's working for them in their schools and in their classrooms. And it's grown because what it's organic. So it's grown to the point where educators, once they've got something to say, they reach out and they, they share that information with with each other via the platform, via Teach Middle East Magazine. So that's pretty much what we do. We're created by educators to serve the educators themselves, really. Grace, I must say thank you. As I said, I found it really informative and engaging, especially when I first came to the Middle East. It was one of those platforms that I could read about all the, everything that was happening, whether it would be events or then it was actually what's happening with the international schools. I think the first year I came there, something like 30 or 50, 30 schools opened up. It was just something phenomenal was that year. But um, listen, lots of things have changed in the past three months, especially in education. And as Teach Middle East is doing all the research and reporting on, can you let me know the big trends that are happening in the Gulf region, especially in education? Um, so there are different areas that are developing and some are, I guess, not developing with, with what's going on. I mean, as you know, all schools are closed currently. Um, But prior to the closure, I think one of the biggest things that started to happen was a great increase in competition among schools for Mm -hmm. enrollment. Um, The the student population is not as big as it was, let's say, three or four years ago. So schools really had started to differentiate themselves in order to get um, significant market share. So right now, with the school closures, a lot of schools are still trying to differentiate themselves by the way they're offering online learning to their students. And if you go online or even on social, you can see the buzz that's happening in terms of what each school is doing to ensure that they still remain at the cutting edge. Now, in terms of education, the region and particularly the UAE, they've always been very open to innovation. 
So even at this time with school closures, you find that innovation is still at the forefront. They want to make sure they've got the latest and greatest technology. They want to make sure that they're using it to, of course, serve the needs of their students, but also to woo potential parents. So you find that schools are always looking for what's new and what's cutting edge. And that, that, that tends to be the trend here. So they're trying to all outdo each other. <laughs> I mean, it, it, eventually, that's what it boils down to. Because you have to understand, um, like you know, this marketplace is made up predominantly of privately owned schools. And so the profits, if you like, comes from their ability to retain, first of all, to recruit, and then retain students and to make sure their numbers are always, you know, where it should be. And how do you do that? You do that by ensuring that the students that you do have, they're happy, the parents are happy, and that they're willing to tell others how happy they are. And so they've got to make sure they've got everything on point. Some, some are doing better at it than others, but that's what they're all trying to do. Um, and then you've got your not-for-profits in the mix, but they too are doing a fantastic job of ensuring that students' learning continues during this time. So how long have you been on virtual learning for in the UAE? Is it six weeks? Wow. This is now going into our sixth week. Yeah. Quite a while. I suppose, I mean, you, I know that the UAE went into spring break early and then they came out. So they had a bit of time, well, not a lot of time, realistically. Two weeks, really. <laughs> to, to change to the, um, the new norm, which is virtual learning. How do you think the international schools are coping with this? I think it's a mixed bag. So you do have those schools that dove in head first and they, some of them floundered in the deep end. And then you've got those schools that were already really set up to receive that change. So they were doing partially flipped learning. They were already good on their technology. They already had structures in place to continue learning outside of school. And so they just up, ramped up that provision and made it into a full-time provision whereas you've got those other schools that were technophobes <laughs> and so now they were told technology is everything and they panicked literally panicked so you you had those who threw some powerpoints together and emailed them out to the parents with inadequate you know instructions you had others who had massive zoom fails and you know, it was really a mixed bag. And then it comes all down to what kind of work were they doing prior to this change? Yeah, I agree. So I suppose the other thing is, you know, you and I have always talked about being more creative in education, creativity matters, and how our children are going to grow up. I suppose, do you believe this will make, this will be the force that pushes them to be more creative in their teaching styles and what our children are learning? And to a certain degree. You know, for everything that happens, it really comes down to the lessons that the schools will take from it. If schools really take the time to evaluate the effectiveness of, what, of the provisions that they've put in place now that they've got to do online learning, and they really look at how they can create a space where online learning and face-to-face -face learning flow in a symbiotic relationship, 
then those schools will definitely change the trend. But if the school tolerates online learning while it has to happen, and then when things go back to normal, they go back to normal, then nothing would have changed. Um, I hear a lot of talk recently about this is the revolution that we've been waiting for in education. And I'm like, mm, I don't know so much about that really, because I think that you will have those schools that will be revolutionary, but schools don't change easily. So I've been in education for 20 odd years. I know I look fabulous, but I have been. <laughs> you do, but, And I know schools don't just change. They, they have to have a catalyst and we've got to figure out whether or not this is enough of a catalyst for that change. Yeah, it would be a huge cultural shift to actually change as well. I completely agree. But I suppose the other thing is, as you're saying, some schools will tolerate it, but at least they now have the facilities to do it in the future. And every time, well, let's hope this is only a once in a lifetime experience, this pandemic. However, next time they'll be ready for it or they'll be ready to, for another situation at hand. Look, I suppose it's, you've been at the forefront of this with Teach Middle East magazine. Um, what have you been impressed by with teachers implementing home learning programs in the Gulf region? I mean, I read in the magazine all the time, you've got some people that, some teachers that have done some great extracurricular activities, they're keeping their children engaged, but, you know, you're talking to them every day. What is, what do you find is most impressive? I think what I find impressive are the teachers who are able to really be creative in the virtual space. So I've seen some teachers who've taken their PE lessons to their back gardens and really used some household items to encourage fitness and well-being. I've seen some teachers who've taken the learning into their kitchens and have encouraged students to become more hands-on and practical. I've seen teachers who've turned their lessons into blogs and vlogs. I've seen yeah. those who've actually done YouTube channels that the students can benefit from for years to come. I've seen teachers who've actually been making resources and sharing them and actually carrying that forward so that other schools can benefit from, from what they're offering. So there's so much richness going on. It's just to capture it all. And then you also have teachers who are making sure that their students remain in contact with them by opening up channels of communication via Seesaw or other apps, similar apps, that they can be giving that constant feedback on work being submitted. So I've seen some really good stuff happening, really. That sounds great. I don't actually, I haven't heard of Seesaw. What is Seesaw? So Seesaw um, is this tool on which they can set, teachers can set work, they can then have the students send in the work. They can comment on it. The comments can be in video. It can be in voice. It can be a photo. Students can submit the work, whether they type it into the app directly or they send a voice note to their teachers with their responses, or they can even take photos of their work because that's what my, my sons are using. They can take photos of the work that they've done in their notebooks and upload that into the app and the teachers can then make comments on the work. So it's really that nice flow of communication between the school and the home. 
That's actually really nice. That's a really nice collaborative approach, actually, using something like Seesaw. I have to ask, do you have the phenomenon of the PE teacher of the nation? Have you had the Joe Wicks? Do your children or do the, is that become a trend? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> yes, I've seen his videos coming up, coming through. Different, different schools have used them here. Oh, that's good. Because I suppose it is, you can do it indoors. And with the weather heating up, it would be actually quite a good thing. Um, Grace, I suppose you're in a bit of an advantage as well because you are actually a teacher. You're a trained teacher. I know that you're working a different part of education now, but you've got your mum of two of twin boys and a full-time job. I suppose how do you juggle it without putting them in front of the screen? Or oh, the screen. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, prior to this lockdown, I had a, a once-per-week screen policy. They only got iPads on a Friday. Oh, wow. In terms of fun. <laughs> um, and in terms of school, I had a one hour twice a week <laughs> rule where they went onto their apps, whether it's their spelling app or their maths app. They only got to do that for one hour, two times a week. Those rules are out the window. <laughs> <laughs> they're, on their, they're on their iPads like three or four hours every day. And unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about it. I try to I try to mix it up where they're on it and then they get off and they write in their books and they do activities outside of, you know, away from the screen. And then I also try to give them some physical activities to do. Um, and then back on the screen, unfortunately, the screen time, it's, it's become, ex, it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I can't even put it in words. It's, it's been a lot recently. Oh, no, I think all parents are sort of feeling the same. I suppose for my two-year-old, it's a little bit easier. But for my nine-year-old, it's how he's socialising with his friends at the moment too because he misses his social interaction, So, which is yeah. quite interesting as well. Um, which brings me back to something you said earlier about changing school. And I thought, but how much do we really want to change school? Because school is a lot more than just teaching and learning the academic things. It's also about that whole social aspect, which really, I wouldn't want that to change. No, it's very true. I suppose when I think about being creative, it's more how you're teaching maths and English in a very structured way. Here's a worksheet, you know, look, using manipulatives, using worksheets and things like that. But oh, yeah, then, yeah. then they go more of that stream approach. And so nothing's in a silo. Everything is put together. Um, so, for example, if I'm planting a tomato with my early years students, my, so my young students, what we do is we put one in the shade, we put one in the sun, we then measure it. So we do maths, we do a bit of science, which one grows more. Um, and then we're, you know, we, we, we like that STEAM approach. We're doing cross-curricular rather than having it really in, I know, which I know that not all schools do this, and this might actually be more in the UAE that where they're being a little bit more competitive against each other, that they differentiate themselves rather than the traditional systems that we do have over in England, um, you might find. But I suppose the other one is as a full-time mum, a full-time working mum, have you become more creative in how you work? I mean, how do you get everything I, done? I have. <laughs> I've, I've, you know, now I'm getting up earlier and trying to put in um, a few hours of work before the boys get up. That's the only way to yeah. get concentrated, really silent work done. And then, you know, on weekends, I tend to, once they're playing or doing something else and they're not bothered with me, 
I can get a few hours in as well. I just have to maintain that flexibility. Well, if it makes you feel better, Grace, I've been hiding in the laundry with my computer to try and get <laughs> some work done. So that's been working for me too because no one wants to come in the laundry because they get given a job. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an area out of bounds. No one disturbs me there. I could probably have eat my lunch there if I needed a break as well. Um, <laughs> let's see. That's a good idea. What are the top five things that you use with your children every day? Because your children are lower primary, aren't they? They're about lower primary. Yeah, they're grade two. Yeah. So what are the top five things that you use with your children every day? So right now we're using, um, apart from their iPad, which they're using quite a bit, we will also have them using a lot of mathematics manipulatives um, because they're learning about fractions and they're learning about measurements of liters and milliliters. So we have the measuring instruments and, and, and things of that nature that we're using with them as well. And then for physical education, we're doing, we have like stretch bands and balls and um, yoga mats, two yoga mats <laughs> that we're using, using with them to help them do their stretches and to just, you know, keep them moving as much as possible. Um, of course, their balls and stuff. And then we have them in the kitchen quite a bit now, just learning how to measure things. You know, how what what does one kilogram look like? What does a liter oh, look that's like? Really, that's really nice. So baking, cooking and baking. Yeah, so, so all those practical things. So now that they're learning all those measurements, we've just kind of put them in and let them get a little bit more hands-on with exactly what the things are that they're learning in mathematics, how it translates practically in the home. That's music to my ears. I'll tell you what, if you can get your hands on flour in the UK, I'd be very impressed. That's something that we haven't been able to buy. It's kind of like the loo roll in Australia and the UK. It's all gone missing. Someone's buying it up and storing it in their, in flour. their backyard. Flour, because everyone's baking. So there's no flour. And where we live, I've gone to about five stores. There's no flour. <laughs> Even Tesco's. Um, this, what's the one thing that you've enjoyed about having the kids and having the family and everyone together and homeschooling? I actually love seeing how much, they're, how much progress they're making. And I think, I think sometimes when you're a busy working parent, you forget how quickly your children develop. Um, I, you know, you go out, you come in and you still sort of see them as babies. Well, I do. I, I saw them as little babies, but having this real long time to work with them and to see them work, they're really growing and maturing. And it's, it's surprising me. Some of the things they know surprise me well, that's and really, I'm enjoying that. That's really nice to hear actually. So you're finding... Are you finding that you're having more time together? Oh, well, of course you have more time, but more connected yeah. time together, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And we're talking a lot more and they're telling me about things that interest them that I didn't even know about, you know, and, and especially through, our, through their lessons, they get to talk about the things that they're really interested in. And then you tend to learn where, where their interests are taking them. Um, for example, my one of my sons, he's really into cars, like building them. Like he turns. I noticed before he used to turn his Legos into cars, but I wasn't sure why. But now I get it. Like he even pays attention to what type of car it is. And I didn't even know he was that keen. 
Well, I tell you what, you've got a lot of supercars over in the UAE, so she would be able to get a, a look at the classics and also some amazing cars that you probably don't have access to in other parts of the world. I know. But I always remember. I was talking to the other day a teacher in lockdown in Italy, and she was saying they've been virtually teaching, I think, their seventh or eighth week now. And her, she mentioned to me that she, what she was surprised about is that the students that didn't do well in the classroom situation are absolutely excelling being at home school. They're doing their work. They're obviously doing it in their own way, but they're doing, they're doing really well in the different situa in the situation at hand, whereas the ones that love the classroom are not doing so well at home. Mm. So I thought that was quite interesting as well. Yeah, it does. Um, finally, when, um, can you describe in just a scenario that sums up the new normal for homeschooling? For example, today was my son's first day back after Easter break. So what I did is play a little game with him. So I walked him out the front door to walk to school and we walked around the back of the house and I explained, this is the swimming pool. We had a paddling pool out. This is the football pitch. And here are the classrooms. Here's an old shed. That's the DT wooden. We're upgrading at the moment. We can't go in there. I even went down to the trampoline and explained that's extracurricular and that he might may be allowed on that later once he's done all his work. My boys loved it. They thought it was really funny. Then my older son said, I've got one rule. And I said, what's that? And he said, the infants, as in his brother, are not allowed in the senior school's area. That was great to me. And I thought, that's brilliant. So I suppose what's the new normal look like for you? Oh, wow. It is. I think, do you, do you, have you ever seen um, cartoons where everything is sped up? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what that feels like for me. Like I'm rushing around. Like, dun, 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 dun. It's, it's, it's like a mad rush um, because you don't want to miss the, the period in which they can do work and you don't want to miss the period in which you can do work and you've got calls and you've got people <laughs> and you've got deadlines. And it's, yeah, it's, it's like life times two. I know. Do you want to, and, you know, it's funny, a friend of mine who doesn't have any children asked me how I was going and I said, if you'd like to take one, that's fine. <laughs> she said, no, it's okay. She says, but I've got, so oh. much, I've got so much time on my hands. I think I might learn guitar and I thought, that'd be amazing. <laughs> so oh I wish. No, it's, it's all sped up and you feel like you're constantly, you're constantly at, at, at someone's request. Mommy, I'm hungry. Mommy, I'm thirsty. Mommy, can we take a break now? Mommy, can we, oh, you're, it and is lifetimes too. <laughs> that's nice to hear listen thank you so much for chatting with us today and i really appreciate all your comments on the, how the landscape's changed and everything like that so we look forward to you know seeing when lockdown ends and how what the new normal is going to be and hopefully hopefully not too long hopefully it's not another three months hopefully at least is you know four to six weeks <laughs> yeah hopefully keeping fingers crossed but you know when it when it ends Hopefully everyone will still be as careful and as um, sanitary as now. Yeah, that's very important. Grace, it was wonderful to chat with you today. We always enjoy chatting. Really interesting to hear about the development of online learning and how the schools have adapted, different trends in the Middle East and especially the UAE, with schools differentiating themselves and generally being more competitive as the numbers in schools have declined over the past 18 months. Love your insights on homeschooling. 
or home learning should I say, as we are the new facilitators of our children's learning, especially as educational expert and mum, great tips and ideas on how you're making it fun and engaging for the children to play and learn. Grace, thank you for joining us today and we look forward to seeing the new norm unfold and I hope to see you in the UK very soon. My name is Heather Welch from EDX Education. Let's all stay safe and enjoy homeschooling with our little ones.